Hello, this is Brad Whitford of Aerosmith, and this is Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Paul Jackson from Blackberry Smoke, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 394 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 394, we feature the band Blackberry Smoke. We are joined by vocalist and guitarist Charlie Starr, as well as guitarist Paul Jackson, to talk about a new EP they have out called The Southern Ground Sessions, which were recorded at Zach Brown's studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, this was kind of a offshoot of the album Find a Light, which came out earlier in 2018. Uh, what you're about to hear are a series of interviews that I did for GuitarWorld.com. We're going to listen to the interview with Charlie Starr first about kind of how the project came together, how Southern Ground Sessions came to be. We also delve into topics such as uh, the writing for the Find a Light album that he did with Keith Nelson, who was a guitarist in Pittsburgher, uh, guitarist of uh, Buck Cherry. I was no longer with the band, but uh, still obviously active in music. And then we'll get into that interview with Paul Jackson about the same. So without further ado, we're going to play a little bit of the Southern Ground Sessions, and we're going to talk to Charlie Starr. talk about the um, the new EP and, and a little bit about the album and the tour and etc. Had a chance okay. to catch you guys just a couple weeks ago in Morgantown. You guys put on a great yeah. show. It was hot in there that night. I didn't envy it you guys. It was. Thanks man. Did you see that guy that threw up? At the, I think it was the first song right down around the fourth or fifth row and he just people parted like the Red Sea down there. I thought it was a fight. You know I thought I was like oh. I saw there was something kind of going off to, over my shoulder, but I assumed it was a fight, quite honestly. Um, you yeah, know, you get too. that many people crammed in there as hot as it was, it, it wouldn't surprise me, but I didn't realize someone threw up. And that's worse. I think mean, Fisticuff yeah. might be better, but... I would yeah, I'm sure you see all kind of crazy stuff from up there on stage. Is it, oh, yeah. Do you ever have that distract you, like when you're playing, you know, something on it goes on and it kind of takes your attention away and you flub a note or anything? Yeah, definitely. I mean, usually um, you know, a fight can be can be a showstopper for sure. But um, I find it can be really distracting these days with people with their phones. Yeah. Um, and and uh, not that they're doing anything that is like um, terribly distracting physically. But sometimes I'll look at it and I'll just start to think. You know, you're thinking about what you're doing. You're thinking about mm-hmm. playing the song or singing the lyric, and then my mind will all all of a sudden uh, switch to God I wish these people would put their phones down yeah. just watch the show and, and give you know do do your thing that you do at a show you know dance or sing or clap yeah. or 
or whatever and it's just like okay facebook live here we go yeah and you, you have to wonder i know from my own experience i've been doing concert photography for a couple of years now and half the time i can't tell you what song you played you know when you're doing that because you're so you know did i get bread in the same as paul looking the right way and you know and if you're standing yeah. on your phone looking at it through the phone screen just buy leave a scar and, and watch it at home you know yeah. Why uh, bother coming to the show if your whole goal is just to get a recording of it? Right. Uh, I, I don't understand that. But but let's let's talk about the Southern Ground sessions um, in particular. Um, the majority of these are songs that were obviously on the latest album, um, done yeah. more in an acoustic way. But um, can you talk a little bit about you know what drove you to do these in this way, or were these maybe the the way these songs were originally wrote written? I should say. And um, you know you had to electrify them for the record, or, or how did how did these versions of these songs come about? Well, um, first of all, I do write most every song on acoustic guitar. Okay. Um, I just that's just been my method for a long time. Um, and but that's not really the reason that we did, uh, or that it's not really the reason that we went in to, to do this. Um, we were going to go in and film uh, ourselves and some friends performing some of these songs acoustically just okay. for video content okay that was initially the that was initially the goal um, and that studio looks fantastic you know mm. all the, the 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 great looking uh, wood on the walls and the ceiling and it's right. dark and it's really got a cool aesthetic and uh, and so we didn't pay a whole lot of attention initially to um, to audio I mean you know obviously you want to sound good but it it wasn't like okay we're going to make a you know an an acoustic EP that wasn't the goal Um, and I think that that's sometimes that's where you capture some magic it's like you're not thinking about it too much and they just throw some mics up and all of a sudden you start playing and and we we had to get audio for the video but then as we were doing it and we were only going to do a couple of songs Mm -hmm. and we wound up recording all day just because it felt and sounded fantastic, it was like, "Oh, this is really cool. This is this is yet again um, proof that don't overthink it." And most of the time, it, it's a winner, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, if we had really gone overboard and tried really hard to make everything perfect, it probably would have sounded like shit. But yeah, it didn't. Um, so yeah, it was a happy accident. Did um did you spend a lot of time working on arrangements? I mean, some of these are a little closer to the bone, you know, to what we've heard on Find a Light. Some of them a little bit different. Uh, did, were these things you just kind of, you guys get in a room and kind of spend half an hour working out a slightly different arrangement, or, or does a ton of thought go into what you played? No, it's really just like uh, shooting from the hip kind of thing. Like, okay, well, let's let's jam a little or mm-hmm. let's do this instead of this and um uh it you know when you we, we everybody was really comfortable and right. that's paramount you know right um so it it uh it, again not not too much thought goes right. into that kind of thing it was just very loose and my you know we wanted to we wanted it to be like we were in our living room yeah or your living room <laughs> yeah <laughs> or uh, you know the listener do no pressure when you're going through and doing these one of the things i enjoy about it is you know the solos are slightly different you know than than on find a light um is it hard sometimes when when you have a song that you you know i can't imagine how many times you must play some of these songs you know in pre-rehearsal and recording to then go back and, and think about playing the solo different at some point is that your brain is kind of locked in. Here's the way I play the solo on the record. I'm going to stay this way, or you know, let's do it a little different. Let's shake it up. Let's maybe play the melody a little slightly, you know, into the solo. No, I think it just could be um, whatever you're feeling at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I generally like to. Um, sometimes the, uh, you know, it's depending on which song, but the solo can be a counter melody. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I, I'm a b- big believer in that. Instead of just throwing you know a barrage of notes at people and right. it's like okay well let the um let the solo sing sing to you as well you mm-hmm. know and i mean you know that that comes from from all of our heroes from right. whether it's jimmy page to 
to uh, even even the Skinner guys, their solos mm-hmm. were just beautifully, beautifully composed, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, I generally will will try and stick to whatever the melody uh, of that of of it, of a particular solo might be. But okay. then there's always room for embellishment. It's just however you're feeling that day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mike Campbell is the absolute king of that. Yeah. Um, he will. He will. You know. Seems like he will start with the solo we all know and love, and then you know from time to time you get a oh what was that oh where's yeah. it going now oh exactly yeah that it is always fun for a listener especially you know when you're when you're hearing these songs so differently to get a slightly different flavor you know when you're listening back yeah. to this it, it makes it stand as is maybe a little more entity for those of us who you know kind of commit some of those solos to memory you know we expect to yeah. hear this and then it's different and that that's can be very exciting. You know, as a listener. Yeah, but you you know what? I've seen bands before, favorite bands of mine through the years, where, um, like, just, for example, another guitar player will be in their band, and that person won't play um, the lick um, of a solo that I feel is very important. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I've caught myself going, ah, oh, damn, you should have played what so-and-so played. Um, I just not long ago watched the Stones, the Sticky Fingers at the Fonda. Yeah, very good. Um, and I thought that Ron Wood did an incredible job of really playing the licks, the Mick Taylor licks that are important. I mean, they're mm-hmm. really important to me. But yet he went about it his way. He was yeah. very respectful. and uh, But he stayed true to some of the things that you really want to hear. You know, you're yeah. like, oh yeah, I want... I, I want to hear that lick if I'm going to hear Can't You Hear Me Knocking. You know? Exactly, yeah, and that's a great point. He does he does interweave his own personality into it while staying true to form. You know, yeah. And that's, that's, that's a great point. Um, Equipment-wise, I mean, this has that feel of, you know, just a couple random acoustic guitars. Um, did you use anything particular for, for these sessions? I used um, a Hummingbird... That I, I think it's a 2012 okay. uh, Gibson Montana Hummingbird. That's really a great one. And then I used a 55 uh, J45. Okay. And do you guys um, are these all in standard tuning, or do you have different tunings for you know particular songs? Mother Mountain is in open uh, D. Okay. Um, D or E? Shit, I can't remember. <laughs> I think it's D. Um, and uh, run away from it all is open G. Okay. And then and then the other few I think are standard. Now, um, now these were there any overdubs on this at all? I mean, it sounds you know very much like you know even to the fact that you can hear you guys kind of talking at the end of the songs and stuff. It sounds like one yeah. take. You know, we'll do it if it's not right. Do it over. Yeah, no overdubs. Completely okay. live. Okay. And can you touch just a little bit on um, writing with Keith Nelson? In particular for these yeah. songs, because it you know it certainly added something I think to you know some of these tracks. Yeah, Keith and I have been friends for going on 25 years. Um, I met him in Atlanta at a bar that I frequented at that time, and it was Buck Cherry's first trip to the South in a van, and uh, they were playing. They you know they would play like Raleigh and Greenville and Atlanta and Charleston. They were on a little southern uh leg of their tour and i was knocked out i went to i just happened to be in this bar and they played and i couldn't believe what i was hearing and uh i met him and the band and we instantly became friends and have remained friends throughout the years so last year uh we were on the phone talk probably talking about guitars Mm -hmm. about collecting you know and uh and he said hey man uh, and he had recently left Buck Cherry um, which was you know I'm sure a, a tough situation for him sure um, but anyway he said I've got some ideas um, some some song ideas would you want to maybe write some songs together and we never had done anything like that we've always just been friends you know we've never mm-hmm. worked together musically and I said absolutely and so he started sending sending riffs over and music and uh and so before I knew it we had written eight or ten songs and um, I thought they were, they were really good and we were coming from a very similar place 
right. um, even though our bands are are different you know we're, we're we definitely love the same things and and uh have the same uh very very similar taste in guitars and you know and amps and and everything you know so um anyway i just it was really um a fulfilling thing to do and we weren't writing for an album or a project it was right. just to be just to make some music right just and uh, and so i i picked out four pretty quickly that i said keith i'm going to take these to be Blackberry Smoke songs because they fit, you know. Yeah. And he didn't disagree. And uh, and there you go. Yeah, that's actually, I think, what's kind of fun about it is when you listen to some of these songs, it doesn't feel like, okay, what's Charlie doing? You know, because I think a lot of listeners, you're kind of used to, you know, your solo writing or your writing with uh, Travis even. But, yeah. you know, when you listen through these songs, you don't go, well, what, what did he do there? You know, he went off in some totally different direction. You know, yeah. just great straight ahead rock songs and then you look you know turn the liner nights over oh who's this Kay Nelson oh that's you know a guy from Buck Cherry you know and it, it it fits so well you know it's just a couple of buddies writing songs together which you know at the end of the day that's a lot of great music made that way now do you see yourself at some point maybe introducing some of these songs as you know maybe an acoustic portion of the show or is this just sort of a you know a, it captured something in time kind of we, thing we do we have actually. Um, we do it from time to time. We'll have a little, uh, a little acoustic section in the middle of the show. Um, that's a, that can be a tough thing. People, um, it's according to where you are, uh, what type of venue. Um, sure. That will determine whether or not people will listen. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so, a, you know. Now, w- with a with a band like yours, uh, it's been incredibly hard to to kind of stick a label on your music. I mean, do you how how much do you vary your sets according to the situation or, or who you might be touring with or like that? I mean, is that something you have to do quite often? I try not to ever do that. Um, the set itself varies every night. Um, there are songs that we kind of have to play, or else sure. people will feel like they didn't get their money's worth. Um, but we change it up every night, and and that's a lot of fun. It's become very fulfilling to me because people will come to multiple shows and they'll go hey you didn't play this tonight and I'll say well we'll play it tomorrow night or you know and um, uh, people will keep track of how long it's been since we played a certain song you know (laughs) and that that makes me happy you know that means people are listening and they care but but as far as um, writing a set tailor made for an audience Hmm. I found out a long time ago that that's a mistake um, because I um, it's been a long time. I tried to do it on a number of occasions, thinking, okay, we need a we need a quieter show, or we need a louder show, or a heavier right. show, or whatever, and it always seems to backfire. Okay. So I, at one point, I decided, you know what? We're going to do what we do, and all of it, and if people don't like it, they just don't like it. Yeah, and that might be, you know, a smart move, you know, to make long-term fans. You know, if someone doesn't like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a message in a bottle or something like that, then maybe they're not going, you know, long-term may not be a fan of the band where someone who might enjoy all of it, you know, might be more of a fan for life. I mean, that's... Yeah. It is kind of a balancing act because, I mean, you guys, I, I listen to your music and think, you know, you guys could do, you know, a pretty heavy set if you cherry-picked certain songs or you could do an incredibly mellow set, you know, depending yeah. on that. But that's that's an interesting uh, interesting dynamic though but I think it helps you know the, the, the flow of a set uh, you know plus you can play with it every night and see which songs work better in which situation you know yeah. and that um, you know I think that diversity you know getting people to see multiple shows where you're not doing a cookie cutter same 18 songs every night uh, that's that's yeah. a, a gotta make it more fun for you um, you know it does. instead yeah. of singing the same songs in the exact same order in the exact same night as much as you tour I mean that would yeah. really certainly grind on you I think after a while um, The vid- you mentioned a video that was shot for the Southern Ground Sessions is that something that still might see the light of the day or is, is the audio going to be what we get I now? hope so I, I think that's the plan at some point um, there's a, a lot more work that would go into that mm-hmm. as far as editing and, and um, you know getting that project ready but um, yeah I think that I would almost guarantee that at some point that will be available. Okay. Now, as far as the band's you know, future plans, I mean, you guys are still 
full-on touring for the Find a Light album. Any writing in the future, or is it still too soon in this album cycle? I've got it. It is soon, but I do have a few new ones written. Um, I just I don't I don't generally have a um, uh, a writing time. Okay. I just kind of do it when I can, and mm-hmm. I just do it when when I feel inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that I was wealthy enough to have like a writing cabin on the lake somewhere yeah. and, and a and a huge window of time to go do that, but. Unfortunately, I do not. <laughs> you, you needed something like Hell House that Skinner had. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's called a shed back in the backyard. Uh, yeah, are, are you I would a, probably have a writing a writing trailer. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds good to me. Are you a person yeah. who who can say I'm going to write an album, you know, the second week of February to the third week of February? Are you a person that can do that when you're under the gun? No, um, okay. I think that that. For me, that's where bad songs would come from. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to force it out. If it's, I mean, if it's there, I mm-hmm. guess you do. I mean, because I, I normally run, wind up writing the lion's share of an album in a certain amount of time, right. but it's never planned. Yeah, I always admire those people that can say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on tour until February, and then we're going to get together and write the album, you know, and we'll have it out by April. Like, how? In, yeah. How do you schedule creativity? But I mean, there are some musicians that do that i mean it's yeah just, some people do it yeah good, always good for them i wish i could yeah i think we would need that uh trailer on the lake <laughs> mm-hmm. Set yeah. aside it. well charlie i want to thank you i appreciate your time you so all much, the best huh? to you and we'll see you next time in pittsburgh or west virginia man okay all right a big thank you to charlie star uh if you're a fan of blackberry smoke and uh charlie star you can go back in uh, 2017 we interviewed him just prior to farm aid when it was here in pittsburgh so that episode would have been in august uh of 2017 you can go back on ironcityrocks.com and pull that interview uh, now we're going to turn our attention to the other half of the guitar duo that is black Price smoke we're going to talk to paul jackson uh really enjoyed talking to him uh a really good guy and uh, i think he adds a lot to the band it's kind of understated because when you see the band live you see uh they're both guitarists solo obviously but charlie kind of the singer and the, the kind of the front man of the band um so to speak but when you get a chance to listen to them and I had had an opportunity to shoot the band uh, while they're performing in Morgantown and you listen to the band through the onstage monitors you can really pick out Paul's voice singing voice and once you can establish what his voice adds to the mix you can really see that it it really does help shape the sound of Blackberry Smoke Uh, fantastic guitar player and singer in his own right so Without further ado, we're going to play you a little more of Southern Ground Sessions, and we're going to get an interview with Paul Jackson. Welcome to the show. We have Paul Jackson of Blackberry Smoke on the line. How are you doing, Paul? All right. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate My pleasure. It. I had the wonderful opportunity to see you guys a couple weeks ago in Morgantown. You guys put on a great show. Um, and I know you, you're up through Canada now. And it looks like you guys are doing kind of a circular motion all around the East Coast, kind of like Hurricane Florence at the moment. Right. Yeah, we're, just, uh, we're skipping all around, apparently. Yeah, I saw that you're going on one side of Pennsylvania, and then you're doing a show in, <laughs> in Ohio, and 
zigzagging back and forth across yeah. the states. Um, in October, you guys are putting out Southern Ground Sessions, which yes. is essentially a, a, a some reworkings of some songs from Final Light and also a Tom Petty cover. Um, can you talk a little bit about the experience of going in and, and you know what it was like doing it that day? Doing those songs? Well, we actually went in and just to do the tunes and then. Um, you know, just to play the songs, and it get, it sounded so good, we recorded it for the record. We re- really didn't have a focus on recording it. You know what I'm saying? And it just, mm-hmm. it turned out in the um, control room, everybody was like, man, it sounds great. So we were just like, let it roll. Do you, and, do you find when you're doing shows, I mean, you guys have played, it seems like everywhere. Um does the venue sometimes inspire different things, or is it, you know, what is it about certain times where things just, you kind of capture magic in a bottle? Um, yeah. All the venues inspire you different. Like, if you walk in, you know, and you, you have a look, if you get on the stage, you know, I usually walk up to the mic and see where I'm, you know, going to be at and look at the venue, and it inspires me, you know, especially when the f- people get inside. It's right. it's a whole new ball game when that happens. Yeah, I mean, is it? Um, do you find? I mean, when you go out on a stage, you almost have no idea what to expect when an audience kind of comes, you know, yeah. the first notes. Um, does it vary night to night? I mean, do you get crowds where it's just like, well, you know, these guys are zombies and these people are insane? Do you feel that way sometimes? <laughs> it can be occasionally, you know. I mean, it's it could be a little bit, you know when you walk out and people are just sitting there, it, mm-hmm. it kind of scares you. It makes you even, you know, you, you get nervous. I do anyway for sure. myself, you know, cause it's like my mother is staring at me. <laughs> Don't yeah. mess up. Or did I forget to plug in or something? What's wrong with my amp? Yeah, you know, yeah. Those kind of feelings where you're just like, it was, they seen something we're not, you know? Yeah. Um, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. That kind of thing. How like how much thought goes into maybe the opening song? I mean, is that kind of the one that you guys maybe think about the most when you're, you know, what are we going to hit him with right out of the gate? Well, um, it actually, I'm sorry, I'm putting the, can you hear me? Yes, you can. Yeah. Um, it actually, Charlie does, this, writes the set list up. So he knows what, you know, if like say we, but usually we've been to a couple of these places more than once. Mm-hmm. So he always keeps the set list that we did when we were there before. And then um, when we go back, he changes it up. So we're not playing the same same songs. Now, um, when you look at, uh, when you guys take a song, okay, like um, the stuff from the Southern Ground Sessions, um, do you guys have to talk much between you, yourself and Charlie about who's going to do what in a song? Because, I mean, it's yeah. a situation, you know, where, you know, he's doing all the solos, or you're doing all the solos. Or, no, you know, no. How do, you, how do you break this up so you're not playing the exact same thing? You know, yeah, you we, know, we you pretty much weave. Yeah, we we pretty much know each other well enough, and I know what my job's going to be, and he knows what his is. I mean, there's never like I want to do that. No, I want to do that. Nothing like that. We're just not those type of guitar players. So you're kind of a rare breed of egoless guitar players, which is <laughs> almost on. I'm yeah, and also, also like if if he comes in with a tune, and and if majority, you know, if he gets in there with it first and it mm. sounds good to me, I'm like hell yeah, keep it. I, I'm not one of those guitar players that go, I need to put something in there. Yeah, right. it's just I think that's silly because if the song's good and it's flowing, leave it be. Yeah, which might explain why after all these years, you guys are still a band because you know so many bands end up fighting over that kind of crap, you know. Yeah. You know, he's not using enough of my stuff. You know, Charlie throws out all my solos or vice versa. Um, you know, yeah, you know, it's like, when, when he, I don't mean spin reps, I'm sorry. No, that's quite uh, right. My wife yells at me about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's like, when he writes something, man, and I, I get it, I'm, he writes good. So I just, mm-hmm. I, I like the music, yeah. you know. And then I'll throw a little bit of, Stuff here and there, a little bit of salt and pepper here and there. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just we're really good at communicating, and understanding what's what's about to happen. I guess, if you will. Sure. 
Now, one of the things I noticed, and I think maybe kind of a unique experience, and when I was I was actually photographing you guys during your show, to be able to be near the different monitors on stage, and one of the things that really jumped out at me was, was your singing voice, um, which obviously we hear night in and night out on these recordings, but not the mix that I was hearing. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, you know, you've got certainly a very different voice than he does. How, yeah. Did you guys have to think a lot about that? You know, when do you sing, when do you not sing? When do you let, you know, the other guys in the band sing and you stay out? Because you've got, you know, very, certainly a different pitch than his. Sorry, Sorry man, I'm having trouble with this phone. No problem, no problem at all. So talk about the... Yeah, like you know, when you're when you're approaching, um, you know, adding vocal your vocals, right? Um, when do you or how do you know when to add them, when not to add them? Um, because it certainly uh, changes the, the dynamic, you know. Just listening to music a lot, and I, I just kind of know where where things need to have vocals at. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, obviously, I could sing with him constantly, but it's it just you know, makes sense to do it in certain little areas here and there. Right. I mean, it, it's just a normal thing. I mean, I've been singing all my life. I was a singer before I even got in Blackberry Smoke, so it's... Mm-hmm. And our voices are... I think you're right. I think they go well together because I don't sing anything like him. And he doesn't exactly. sing like yeah. me. So it, it, makes it, it makes it good for the sauce. Well, okay. Yeah, that that's a great point. I mean, because if you listen to his voice and listen to your voice, I would say not in a million years would these sound good together. And that's not a knock on either voice. Oh, yeah, totally. Together, and it does really work. It's kind of like, yeah. um, you know, like a Michael Anthony and David Lee Roth. You know, I don't necessarily listen to the two ingredients and say this would mesh well together, but it right. does. Right. Um, I, I was, you know, when we first got together, I was thinking the same thing. I said, like, I wonder what it's going to sound like when we do this. Because, you know, I, I knew Charlie. He used to go see his band that he had. And he'd come see mine. And when we first rehearsed, I mean, I'm, I've known the guy for 15 years or 20 years before we even played together. Okay. He, you know, because I had my own thing. He had his own thing. And then when we got together, I was like, man, this sounds really cool. It sounds great. Yeah. You know? It, it, it does. No. It's, well, thanks it's for checking part. out the vocals. I appreciate it. Yeah, it is neat, and it's neat now that now that I've heard that, when I go back and listen to the records, you know, I can really kind of hone in on it. It's almost like once you hear the bass line of a song, sometimes it's very hard to pick out the bass line for a novice or a non-bass player. But once you hear it, then you can't stop hearing it. And I'm, that's, <laughs> right. that's where I'm at now with, with you know, you know some of the new stuff. It's like now that I've picked out what your voice sounds exactly like, you know, it's, it's right there paramount in my head. Um, yeah, it's easy to, easy to grasp. Yeah, now, right. yeah. guitar-wise, I still haven't come to that level with you guys where I can say, okay, that's Charlie singing, or, or that's, or I'm sorry, Charlie's soloing or Paul soloing. But um, yeah, when when you guys came together to form the band as players, can you maybe talk about how you were different? I mean, what backgrounds maybe you came with? You know, I mean, oh. we know what you, what you guys are like together, but before Blackberry Smoke really came together, yeah, you know, Charlie grew up. Um, in the bluegrass field, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't, I, I wasn't raised where he was. I was raised in Pensacola, Florida, the beach area. Mm-hmm. So I grew up around Florida musicians and older musicians. And um, he was really, Charlie was really schooled on the Skinner thing and the Almond Brothers thing. And and the, uh, the band that I was in, it was only me. Okay. And every time I would do a Skinner or an Almond Brothers, it just didn't sound right because there was no other guitar player. Mm-hmm. And the, what I was playing was just rock, okay, constant rock, you know, all the time. I'm, I'm, I've been playing in bars since I was late sixteen years old. Okay, and so and that was back in eighty-seven, maybe. Okay. And I, you, were, you could just imagine what I was playing. You were playing the White Snake and the Crew, and <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That, that excellent stuff. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I was okay. doing, and that's how I grew up. So what when when you listen to Charlie, what kind of drew you guys together? I mean, because when you you know you don't think of of a straight on rock player, and maybe that's what gives Blackberry Smoke some of that amazing dynamic of 
you know, I think a lot of people scratch their head and go, is this a country band or rock band or what kind of band is this? Um, right. Because of the ingredients. But, I mean, was that concerning to you? I mean, or was it just a chemistry thing, you know? You guys it got just, on well? It just, it worked. I mean, it, I never was concerned about it, you know, because to be quite honest, in, in the, the the band that I was in, when we he would come see me, I was, you know, it was a three-man band. It was me, a bass player, and my brother on the drums. We would play just the hits. And when Charlie and them would play his three-man band, they would play stuff that I love, you know, like Four Horsemen and, you know, The Cult and stuff like that. Okay. Now, this is this is right when before we got together. And, yeah, I mean, it's it just I wasn't concerned at all. I was waiting to play that type of music. <laughs> right. Right, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Now, um, wh- when you guys went in back to the, the Southern Ground sessions, when you went in to do those songs, right. um, did you give a lot of thought about how you were going to be playing them that day, or um, you know, or even like when you approach a song acoustically, do you do you it, play it much different, or you just we play the same thing on an acoustic guitar? Some parts we change, we we don't change, but we. The attack is a little way lighter than okay. certain things. You know, I, you just don't get an acoustic and just bang away at it, you know, and, and the way I approach it. I mean, it's, it's subtle. It's a subtle thing. Right. When you lift up in the chorus, you bring it up, and, you know, it's, it's just a feel, I, I suppose. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, when you're playing live with the, with the whole band, I mean, it's... You know, all bets are off. You just go, you get up there and you... Right. Time to get down. <laughs> you know? Exactly, sure. No, that makes sense. Um, do do you... I noticed one of the things on the on this album, you know, on this or, or EP, I guess we should call it technically, the solos aren't quite exactly the same, and obviously I think everybody kind of approaches maybe soloing on an acoustic different. Um, yeah. Was it intentional, or is it just sometimes the limitations of... You know, it's a hell of a lot harder to solo on an acoustic guitar sometimes. Yeah, I'm. I think it's just a little bit. It's different. It's hard, harder sometimes. Mm-hmm. To you know, obviously, the bend strings is here and there, and it's. You know, we have to improvise. You know, instead of right. bending, you kind of slide up and back. Sure. <laughs> you know. Sure. That kind of situation for me, anyway. Right. And, you know. When you're doing these songs, um, you know, especially some of the songs that require different tunings, do you guys typically play um, both in the same tuning, or do you? No. Do one of you stay in standard tuning? No, I'm I'm usually staying in standard tuning, um, okay. unless otherwise, because I mean, it to me it it makes it a little bit bigger in my mind, I guess, in my ears. Sure. You know, Charlie's Charlie's got that raw open, and you know, and I'm. Right there next to him with the standard tuning. I mean, it, I can tell the difference. Right. You know. Right. No. No. That's. It's. I often wondered that. You know. When, you know. You look at a lot of like the Stone stuff. You know. And there's. Right. Two, two three different tunings in the same song. And you're like, crap! I'm only one guitar player trying to play the song. I can't do three different tunings at one time. Right. <laughs> totally. And now on stage, I, I noticed one of the things you guys have such a cool collection of guitars between yeah. the two of you. Um, is there a rhyme or reason to which guitars during which songs, or is it just, um, you know, maybe one just frankly looks cooler? Or, or how do you well, now, decide? It's a def- in my for me, it's definitely not the look cooler thing. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's just the guitars that I prefer to play on certain songs. Like I come out yeah. of the I come out of the gate and I'm, I'm I have my '79 Les Paul that I I adore. Okay. Some people don't like the '70s, but I love them. Um, oh, absolutely. And um, and then I use my uh, 335 right after that, and then my SGs for for a drop D tuning because it's got the SGs that I have are pretty. They got that rock punch you in the okay. face feel. Mm-hmm. So when to me when I'm using the drop D, I, I use one of those immediately. Now, um, on the back end, uh, they're using, I, I believe I saw JCM 800 head back yes. in there, but, but is that kind of your main amp live right now? That and my Vox AC30. I use those together. 
okay. at the same time the whole show. Now the 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 Marshall is it? I'm guessing that maybe is a little bit older. That isn't. You know, it's early '80s. Okay. Early '80s. Now, are you kind of a, a person that gets your your sound dialed in and leaves it the hell alone, or are you kind of a yeah? Teacher, I don't. I don't fiddle with my knobs a lot. I mean, okay. If I get it to where it's comfortable and it's got that a feel that I want, mm-hmm. I leave it be. Now, conversely, when you're in the studio, and obviously, you know, you know, in this last one was acoustic, so it's certainly a little bit different. But like when you were in the studio for Final Light, do you use a lot of different stuff in the you studio? Know, or? On this record, I didn't use a crazy amount of stuff. Um, my parts didn't require a certain amount of amps, certain different types of amps. I used the matchless in there. I used the Vox, and I can't remember if I used my Marshall or not. I don't think I did. Okay. For for the Find the Light record. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that when you go out on the road, you've got that. Uh, you see yeah. the Marshall for there. Um, I love my Marshall, and, you know, I I got the same exact setup I'm sending to Europe. <laughs> so, yeah. And my yeah. wife's happy. She, it's getting out of the house. She's <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. Anytime you get some of the gear out of the house, spouses are always happy. It's uh, just my excuse to buy more. That's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even at your level, you need an excuse to buy more. That's I know. For all of us guys who are trying to buy gear and hide them away so people don't notice. Uh, well, see, my house. son plays guitar, so whenever I get a guitar, I just put it in his room. and She never goes in there. Uh, so he's like, Dad, this I was like, don't break it. <laughs> <laughs> I just got it. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, Paul. Um, now, you guys, you're going to be touring, I'm assuming, pretty much until the end of this year. Do you have a lot of firm plans for next year yet? Well, it's, you know, touring, more touring. We're obviously going to do another record. I just don't know when that is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing set on the books yet. And do some shows, I would believe. And the cruise, we got a cruise coming up. That we're doing in January. How was, if I may inquire, how was the, the the shows with Skinner? I mean, was that kind of surreal? I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity to band such as yours to get on a stage, you know, with yeah. with these it guys. Was, as they, was it bittersweet? Yeah, it's, 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 it gives you chills, you know. Mm-hmm. First off, it's crazy to me that they know us anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it still blows my mind. You know, because it's Skinner, man. I mean, that's, yeah. that stuff is, they don't even have a bad song. And I'm, I'm serious. I, I feel that way. You just, yeah. I put I put vinyl on and leave it go. Exactly. You know, just flip it over. And, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm bummed that they're, you know, they're, this is their farewell, but it's exciting to be a part of it. Sure. You know, because I mean, they're just such a damn good band. I mean, it's, I mean, what can you say? Yeah. And the sweethearts, every one of them are super nice. Oh, great people. Yeah. That is, is, did, how long did that take you? I mean, you guys have obviously been around for a while now to, to where it doesn't blow your mind when, when people, you know, maybe you covered back in those bars when you were 17 or 18, know who you are. How surreal is that? Is that it's it still is, man. I don't get crazy starstruck. I'm just usually quiet, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, okay, you know. Is there you know, anybody where you, you're like, I got to go call and tell my wife I just met so-and-so? Have you ever had that experience? Yeah. Yeah, I did that when I met Slash the first time. and You know, just yeah. like, oh, wait, oh, I know what it was. It was, we were out a couple months ago, I believe it was. Um, it was uh, Outlaws. Mm-hmm. Great band, us, Bad Company, and Skinner, and I got super nervous. I was too afraid to say hello to Paul Rogers. So yeah, that's that, totally understandable. Yeah, I, mean, I kind of got close, but I left. <laughs> uh, no, no, no shame there. Yeah, that's that's like uh, I can imagine he's got a bit of an R around him. You know, just seeing him on stage. You know, yeah, it's, like, it's, you know, 
to be like um, when you we're playing, I'll you'll look over sometimes and you know Ricky Sparky and then they're standing there watching you and I'm just like man, <laughs> I just get so nervous. I'm like, and I tell them that whenever I get off stage, I'm like, every time you come out there and watch, I just get nervous. It freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, I know. I was just recently uh, speaking with the, the guitarist of Blackfoot, the current guitarist of Blackfoot, and uh, right on. He, I said, "Does that ever intimidate the hell out of you when he comes? You know, he's a pretty intimidating man." Yeah. Um, he's like, "Yeah, it scares the heck out of me all the time." You know, like, <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh, it was so so. But not to get off the interview, Barbara, I'll, I'll tell you a really quick sure. story. We did the um, the Skinner tribute at the Fox. Mm-hmm. And we did yeah. working for we did working for NCA, and it it was just ner- for me nerve wracking anyway because they were you know they were side of the stage they're watching all the bands play their songs, right? And you definitely don't want to get them right. And I was as I got done r- rushing to the dressing room, Ricky sees me and goes, "That was killer!" And I was like, "Awesome! I'm glad you like it. I'm gonna go throw up now." That yeah, that that was a, a very neat night. Uh, it was you know it was great to see you guys because I think you, that was, oh. I think you know you guys fit so well into that. It was such a, a nice diverse cool. group of artists they had for that event. Man, cheap so, trick! It was crazy. Yeah, crazy. yeah that's that's got to be uh, you know such a thrill. You know, for, for you know you and I, I guess we're probably about the same age. You know, to see some of these guys. You know, oh yeah, it, you know. Yeah, and, and just to meet them and they. Just blow you away, super nice. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's sometimes it's, it's funny. Uh, the, you know, some of the guys who become super successful, sometimes you meet them and you can tell almost from their personality how they became. You know, because they are so nice and so gracious that you know. I yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's very rarely do you meet somebody who gets to a certain level and is just a total like prick. Yeah. I mean, there yeah, are I, some out there, but yeah, um, I just I think it's unnecessary. To, mm-hmm. to be that way. I mean, because, you know, at the end of the day, you lay your head down and go to sleep like everybody else. It's, exactly. Yeah. You still come on. And you're there. They're the reason you're there in the first place. You know, the people exactly. that want to say hello to you. And, yeah. You know. that's, a, that's a great point. You know, it, I think if, if more bands, you know, took the attitude that, you know, your audience is also your customer, you know, right. and think of it that way, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's like with us, we usually say, I like to call them friends, you know, mm-hmm. but instead of fans, because that word to me kind of, you know, I don't like it too much. But it's just, you know, I, do, I have no problem with any of that, saying hello, taking pictures, having a beer with somebody. Right. right. So. Uh, I'm sure everybody has bad nights, and I think sometimes that, that gets blown up, you know, when you're, you know, yeah. kids giving you grief or you, you know, you've got travel issues or you're, Three hours late getting into a town and don't have time to sound check. I mean, that stuff all happens, but yeah, um, yeah, you know, by and large, I think you know, some of the good ones are in good moods most of the time and rolling yeah. things a little better. Um, yeah, one of the things I noticed with you guys, and, and this may not make the uh, the interview for the, for the uh, article, but I was just kind of curious. Um, you guys are doing the benefit for the Children's Hospital of West. Yes. Um, how how did that get started? Well, um, we got introduced to the Children's Hospital um, an unfortunate way when we were on tour, our first tour in the U- Europe. Um, Britt's daughter now, back then, she was three, Brandon? Yeah. She's three years old. She was diagnosed. Neuroblastoma. Neuroblastoma is okay. what it was, and, and it was very, very, very tough, you know, because sure. your your buddy is in, in a van with you traveling six hours with no phone yeah. trying to get somewhere to talk, you know, and it was to talk to his family. So we, and then they were so good. The Children's Hospital, you know, were just so great and to Britain them and, you know, we, we it was a no-brainer to let's do what we can to help back. Because, I mean, we, most of us have kids and that can happen to anybody, you know. It's sure. and this that was a tough time, man. It was a tough time. But yeah, you think about how hard that would be for you know when you're at home, but you know, yeah. when you're traveling, that's got to be hell. Yeah, and when you know, we when we do the um, 
the gigs and we have meet and greets after our show, mm-hmm. that all that that money we raise it to the end of the year and give it to the children's hospital. Yeah, which is something that you know, I would love to get the word out about because I, I don't know how we you know, people always realize that you know. It, and, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people think of those meet and greets. You know, it's a great way to meet a band, but a lot of people think of it as kind of a cash grab. You know, oh, yeah, that's enough. Now know. we 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 give it to the children's hospital. I mean, it's that's that's why we do all that stuff. I mean, who's that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Paul, I, I don't want to keep any longer. I know you guys. Have yeah, no worries. Rare, rare off day today, so I will let you go. Um, but I'll, I want to thank you so much for doing this and. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. All right, again, a big thank you to Charlie Starr and Paul Jackson. Uh, if you a person who likes to read the interviews, uh, this interview is available on GuitarWorld.com. It was an interview I had done with them uh, in leading up to this album. Uh, the Southern Ground Sessions EP will be released October 26th, so by the time you hear my voice on this podcast, this will be available. Uh, it's available from their website. Uh, they've got a bunch of different merch bundles and posters and records and things like that available, or you can get it on plain old Amazon for like eight bucks. Uh, really, uh, I think a neat way to listen to the songs. If you enjoyed Find a Light, uh, it gives you a kind of a different perspective of the same song. It's very enjoyable. Uh, so I invite you to check that out. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And Twitter are all of those are forward slash Iron City Rocks. Uh, you can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you're interested in particular kinds of bands, let us know. If you like the really, really heavy stuff, let us know. If you like some of the more mellow stuff like a Blackberry Smoke or a, a Leftover Salmon, which was another band we featured uh, more recently, let us know. We always like to hear what you guys like to hear. Uh, we're probably still going to have bands like Blackberry Smoke and uh, Leftover Salmon as well as heavy, heavy bands as well. But still like to know what people like to listen to. So until next time, we want to thank you so much for listening. <laughs>